Hey, I forget how we do the intro. How do we do the intro? Uh, <laughs> is it, it's, this well, is the internet's only Georgia football <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is the intro this week. Um, welcome to Flipping the Field. It's the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by Ryan Donnelly, our, our nation's um, foremost, I would I would actually say leader in 40 time. You have the best 40 time that America has ever That's seen. That's true. That's you're, true. You're actually every combine um, event, you've, you've put up the best reps, the best numbers possible. Um, it's and true. So and many there. people are saying that too. Many people are saying that. Many people are looking uh, at you and they're saying, That's the fastest man in America right there. That's the fastest man in America. They're saying, Look, they tell me uh, I have an incredible body. They're saying mm-hmm. I have an incredible mind. Uh, they're saying they've never seen anybody like it before. They're, they're saying it's one of a kind. Yeah. Uh, I am the $6 million man. Yeah. They're, um, they're saying that you were developed here. They're saying that, you know, the person who, who, who made you who you are, he knows ball, he knows how to develop talent, and that anybody <laughs> saying otherwise is, is, you know, they're a crazy person. They're just online. Right. They're essentially the same as Kyle Lamb, and that's what everybody's saying. And what's really cool is, like, the, the people who say that also know a fucking ton about strength and conditioning. Yeah. Like they definitely know the difference <laughs> of why someone would have a good or bad opinion, too. And, like, uh-huh. you can just tell by looking at them and their their four-inch circumference necks yep. that they just know a ton about lifting weights, for let's, sure. I mean, it's 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 listen, let's indisputable. Listen, let's not cast any aspersions <laughs> on having a very small neck, okay? There's nothing wrong. If you're a listener to this podcast, <laughs> you need to take – you need to get a tape measure out. And you need to measure the circumference of your neck. And if you're below the threshold, I'm going to set after this podcast. We're yep. going to have to kick you out of the podcast. And the threshold is, of anymore. course, well, it will it will be set after you've measured your own neck, just to make sure that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because I I'm definitely thinking about how much I know the normal measurements for neck off the top of my head, uh-huh. and it's something I have stored up there for sure, and yeah. I'm definitely not just riffing. Yeah, if you are a listener to the show and you are not, um, I, I mean. I, I want like Barry Bonds levels of juicing from every one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want a single one of our listeners to have normal brain or body chemistry by the time they're done listening to this podcast. I want you to be altered permanently by your desire to um, do really well in the bench press at the NFL Combine, an event that you'll never attend, right? Like I, I want mm-hmm. I want people who are training their hip fluidity so that they can do the cornerback drill better than like Ahmad Gardner did. That's that's oh, yeah. what I that's what we need from our listeners. That's what we're doing on a daily basis. People ask, well, what do you guys do to prep for the podcast? Um, I do uh, the vertical leap every day for three hours uh, straight to try and get my my numbers up. Well, let's get into it, right? Let's just let me just <laughs> the reason why the reason why we're riffing all these jokes we're doing uh, is because the NFL Combine just happened, as I'm sure all of our football freak little fans know. Uh, you know, the Combine just happened. We were measuring. We got the big meat market. We get to see how much everyone weighed and measure their, you know, their like the diameter of their skull and their arm mm-hmm. length and how fast they run and, and how strong they are. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. And, and, you know, like say what you want. Uh, it is bizarre, of course, it's an insane ritual. But if you're one of those guys who's performatively like, oh, this is so weird. The NFL combine is crazy. But like every other part of the sport, come on, like just be honest with yourself. It's not it's not any weirder than the rest of it. Yeah, I don't think. I, I don't know. My complaint with it is not that it's weird. It's that I don't care about it. It's that like I, I it's like the Sagarin rankings for me. I don't give a fuck about it. Um, but I understand why people do. It's it's just uh, other people also care more about professional football than I do. I don't like once these guys are out of college, they are no longer in my brain. They're gone. Doesn't matter to me anymore. Like I I, I don't play fantasy football. I don't really need to know anything that's going on up there. I don't have a team. I've gotten rid of my pro team. Don't want them. 
Um, and so that's that's my complaint with the combine is that it doesn't concern me, the man who only knows college ball. But um, yeah, saying that it's like, oh, this is so strange that they do this. Like, yeah, it's all strange. It's a very weird thing to do to be a professional football player. It's it's bizarre. <laughs> it's not normal. It's, to do and that. it's, that's why we like it. That's why yeah. we like it. But uh, look, you know, there's been some there's been some internet talk going around lately. Uh, about about knowing ball and about knowing strength coaches and mm-hmm. what goes into making a successful strength coach. And I think the combine is a good launching point as any for us to get into this stuff. Um, I guess for me to get into this stuff. <laughs> uh, and the biggest thing that I think uh, everyone was talking about this, this past week in Indianapolis is just how absolutely fucking dominant Georgia was at the combine, right? I mean, yeah. I know I know you don't really care about this stuff that much, but I was I'm sure even you aware of like Jordan Davis and and, and things of that. Sure, nature. Jordan Davis ran a four seven eight forty at three hundred forty one pounds, or uh, Trayvon Walker I think ran a four five flat at two hundred sixty something pounds. Yeah, um, George Pickens is like fresh off an ACL tear, ran about the same speed as Chris. A guy who weighs 30 pounds more than you know what I mean? Like a lot of numbers like that getting put up by the Georgia team. And I think the question I also want to talk about is why is Georgia so absolutely dominant at the combine this year? Uh, I think we've seen it from you know other teams in the past that have had great combines of runs, or I know like of course Alabama obviously produced a lot of great guys. Uh, uh the combine, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody to, to learn that Alabama's players are big, strong, and fast. Uh, same as Georgia's, but I guess the difference is like w- what separates guys at specifically like lineman positions uh, or non wide receiver positions at schools like Alabama and Georgia from where they're being developed at first example, Ohio state, Clemson, LSU, um, these other programs. And if like, if you want to look at it as like the way the raw materials go to the program in terms of program talent, why do they go in a certain way and come out so differently in terms of development? Like what is yeah. separating these guys when they, you know, you can look at recruiting averages and the player average for Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU. You know, I think you can include Florida and eventually Texas A&M. In that list are like virtually identical, right? So why are performances so much better for a handful of schools compared to others? Um, what is the difference between them? And I think the biggest thing I got into this week was just I, I know I've talked in this podcast a lot about uh, Mick Marotti, right? His strength conditioning program. Uh, you guys may have heard me mention it once or twice, mm-hmm. probably not too often though. Uh, <laughs> and like, how is something like that different? And what is the complaint about it compared to a program like Georgia or Alabama's? Uh, and I want to focus basically on, on, to me, uh, what makes a good strength conditioning program and, and like, what, like how, how does football focus strength conditioning? What makes it successful? Um, so to get into that, I, I think the biggest thing is learning about one, uh, well, I should say this, like the four pillars of a, a program are essentially intensity, volume, uh, resistance type, uh, and speed, right? So speed being explosive power. Um, I, I think you can define that in different ways, but so of course, exercise selection too. Um, but the, the biggest thing here is, is that like when you, when you look at different programs, a lot of them are running what to me, I would describe as low intensity, high volume programming, which is essentially the worst thing you do for football. Mm-hmm. Um, you as a football a football strength coach, football team, have to consider what replicates most closely the game of football when you're training. Uh, Patrick, uh, just to leave you in here, so I'm not talking the entire time by myself. Yeah. Football, is it fairly summarized, is a, to use the Urban Meyer phrase, right, is a four to six second play of tremendous effort from point A to point B. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, save for extraneous circumstances, then, yeah, generally four to six seconds. 
Yeah. And of course, this also means you agree with all of her Urban Meyer statements. Thank you for jumping in. I just want to get that on the record mm-hmm. um, from you. Yeah, <laughs> you I, agree I mean, with everything he says. He's always been, you know, he, he's, he doesn't miss, folks. He just doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. So I guess the question is like when you have that, you know that as a fact. Why do we see strength programs training things like in the four to six rep range, like reps that are, you know, like sets that are taking uh, 20 to 30 seconds to complete that are sub-maximal weights? What is the benefit of doing something like that? Uh, and to me, it essentially is non-existent, right? And, and like, then you see the thing, which is Georgia, and you follow their programming. Uh, Scott Sinclair is the head strength coach at Georgia mm-hmm. who uh, has explicitly referred to being a West Side barbell guy. Uh, he called Louis Simmons, I think, the biggest influence on his strength training career. Uh, Louis Simmons, those who haven't heard me talk about him or don't know about him, uh, is the head of Westside Barbell, right? Which is a, a powerlifting, traditionally a powerlifting gym uh, in the city of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it was started in the 70s uh, by Louis. Uh, it has produced dozens of world record holders uh, in powerlifting. It's trained Olympians in several sports. Uh, UFC champions, Steve Miocic, uh, works on a Westside Barbell uh, powerlifting program, essentially. Uh, he works with something like uh, half of the teams, in the NFL, several colleges, Georgia, among them, Alabama, among them. Um, and he's in Ohio state's backyard, right. And Ohio state has never once visited Westside Barbell, uh, which is a different topic for a different day that I can get into at length at some point in time. Um, but basically I, I guess the question is like, what is the translation of powerlifting and strength conditioning in football? Right. Um, why does it work? Uh, which kind of gets into a deeper discussion about powerlifting training. Yeah. Uh, I would argue it has the most carryover specifically to track and field, right? So powerlifting is a sport that is focused on tremendous effort on one individual uh, uh, activity, right? So you have one rep of a squat of a deadlift or a bench. You have to perform maximally in that space. Um, you have to be able to lift it, lift it fast. You have to be able to lift a heavy weight uh, and you have to do it repeatedly, you know, nine times essentially in a handful of minutes. Uh, across your three different events. So this translates well to something like track, right? Where you may have two to three heats in a day for your sprints, your hundred meter sprinter. Uh, you know, you are, are doing a tremendous amount of effort in a very short period of time to be repeated again several minutes later. Same thing with shot putting, right? You're trying to throw uh, the shot put as far as you can or the discus and you have a few minutes to rest in between. The question of how it turns into football is like slightly modified a little bit. Um, so the biggest thing about powerlifting training and like what Georgia does, you of course want to have days where you have maximum effort, like an ideal program, something like um, you have two maximum effort workouts, one for upper body, one for lower body, two dynamic effort workouts. We'll get into it in a second here for upper body and lower body and several smaller workouts throughout the week kind of hit accessories and different uh, smaller muscle groups. So when you're training max, what we're talking about is something north of 90% of your one rep max weight in a variation of a squat or deadlift for lower body or variation of a pressing movement for upper body. Um, The purpose of these being is that it helps create absolute strength, right? It recruits more motor units. It increases absolute strength, which is observably the single biggest determinant in strength and speed and injury prevention and all these different categories that essentially keep you playing football at a high level. Uh, The dynamic effort days are a little different and they're focused on explosive strength, also as rate of force development. Essentially, you train this in things like measuring uh, meters per second on uh, a sub-maximal weight. So, for example, on a bench upper dynamic day, you would do something like a nine by three or an eight by three of your bench press. The goal being to move the barbell at a very fast 
uh, rate at something like 50% of your one rep max with accommodating resistance being bands or chains attached to it. Uh, this is something you see very specifically in Alabama's program. They're very good at accommodating resistance, about measuring meters per second on their lifts. Um, they did it religiously under Matt Ray, their, their uh, strength coach, who just left this offseason, I believe, for the the Saints. I don't know if you know that, Pat. Uh, I forget what team he's with. Uh, I think I know, um, I, I know he went to the the NFL, but I don't know specifically. The The most knowledge that I had about Alabama's strength and conditioning program was that it grabbed the um, – there was like a doctor who was at Indiana. As that's, a that's Matt Ray. Yeah, okay, that's him. Yeah. Um, he's a doctor, by the way, who also has uh, benched north of 400 pounds in videos. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> he's great. Uh, very, very cool guy. But so these guys, Scott Sinclair, Matt at Georgia, Matt Ray at Alabama, right? They are explicitly using powerlifting training tactics in their in their programming. They are measuring uh, high intensity maximal effort days. They are measuring uh, speed and dynamic effort days. Um, they are programming for these things and you compare them to other programs who are running what I would say is more traditional football lifting things like doing a five by three of power cleans, or, um, you know, we hear guys talking about doing barbell rows, like, you know, three times a week, uh, doing fucking leg presses and, and, and just, you know, like nonsense, like higher repetition work, um, essentially hypertrophy powerlifting stuff. That is why you see players get big but not stronger or faster at certain programs and i i don't think i'm i need to couch which programs i'm referring to i think we all understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. uh but the difference in like why georgia can have these mammoth athletes who can produce at such a high level is because they're not focused on their weight as the determinative factor of their success in the strength conditioning program right what they're focused on is their power output their rate of force development it's focused on how well an athlete can, can move a heavy weight how fast an athlete with a heavy weight what kind of resistance an athlete can overcome and, and kind of essentially identifying weak points in an athlete's uh, lifting you know regime you know if you're um Failing squats for a certain reason to focus on your hips, your glutes, you fell for a different reason to focus on your lower back or abdomens and identifying how that translates to football, right? So having, how does having tremendous lower body strength and the ability to like, you know, rapidly uh, create force in your lower body, how does it translate to football? I think, I think it's very obvious, right? It has a great carryover to overall speed, has a great carryover to things like blocking and things like tackling, the ability to launch yourself, um, the ability to uh, to be explosive on a football field. And the reason why, when you watch that Georgia Alabama national title game, I think the or, or even this championship game, the difference, and I think one of the first things everyone in the country remarked on is like, holy shit, they are flying around out there, right? Yeah. Like seeing guys like the Kobe Dean, the lowest sign, um, or Trayvon Walker, or Will Anderson, or a dozen other guys you could name, just absolutely flying to the football at that, at that speed is pretty crazy to watch. And that's something you see in other games because athletes aren't trained like that, right? A lot of other programs are training like their receivers to do uh, you know, three by eight squats and then go run a 200 meter conditioning lap or something out there and then come back and do some farmer's carries. It's just like nonsense programming that, that has very little direct carryover to football. Um, you know, you want like something like roughly uh, anywhere from 20 to 35% of your volume to be at that maximal range, either meaning dynamic effort movements or maximal effort movements. Uh, and, and most programs simply don't observe that, right? This is stuff that is like observably true across several sports, uh, football specifically, but like you can watch the carryover between programming correctly under the West side methods and the direct carryover it has to speed, despite weight to power, despite weight, it's very observable. And it's like scientifically provable. And these are basically laws that have fallen across dozens of sports, uh, since the Soviets can test this stuff in the sixties. And of course we have far more data. Now there's more variations on, on different kinds of methods, but the, the basic laws have remained the same. Uh, and to me personally, to watch 
to happen in Georgia is very cool, but it's also very appalling to watch it not happen in other places, right? To like yeah. know this information is out there that we do have observably uh, provable data, right? That we have that on what uh, essentially best strength help all athlete, what increases production and force, what increases speed, what increases strength. And to not train them that way is to me like a huge problem with conditioning and really malpractice. The number of soft tissue injuries we have because coaches aren't like particularly training connective tissue, uh, the amount of like players we have who are just getting fatter and not faster, the number of like, uh, especially offensive linemen who just get fat and who, who can't do a broad jump correctly, or who can't like run well. And it just suits like, Oh, it's not really important. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's, it's frankly absurd. And like, you, you don't see um, stuff like this very often. I, I'm sorry. You'd rather you do see stuff like this very often. Um, we also just have outmoded testing methods too at the combine, right? Like doing bench press, for like reps of 225 is one of the most nonsense uh, uh, testing methods we could possibly have for the sport. It has no care for football. Yep. Uh, you know, you have guys going for 20, 30 reps. Uh, what football play is lasting, you know, mm-hmm. a minute long. It's asked you to perform that kind of activity. Yeah, it's time to lay uh, on your either be- offensive tackle. I'm going to need you to lay on your back and then block this defensive lineman up and down in the air 25 times on this. Play. Right. Of course. It's absurd. And like, it, it's just like something that a dumb guy thinks is a good, good, good test of football conditioning. Um, but I don't know. Like we should be testing essentially velocity to fix weight. So I don't think every player in the NFL combine could bench 315, but they should all be able to, but that's not the point. Uh, but, you know, maybe testing speed at 315 or testing uh, something like, you know, just maximum bench, right? Conditioning is much more translatable to football. Um, we should also be testing my opinion squat, but it's, it, there's a lot of analogs that like broad jump and, and vertical leap are, if you're trained correctly, just a functional carryover from squat. It's why you see Evan Neal put like put up those crazy numbers, right? Like like a guy at Evan Neal like weighs 336 pounds at what 15% body fat and has those crazy box jumps. Uh, that's like it sounds crazy to say, but that's like not really uncommon in, in powerlifting. The guys like marvel over Evan Neal and they should. Mm-hmm. He's a great athlete, but like a guy like Tom Haviland, right? Who who is a, a powerlifter is I believe like six foot seven, 330 pounds and is doing seated 48 inch vertical jumps. Like, yeah. like j- the stuff you can do like at that side to that kind of strength development is not, uh, not abnormal if you know how to train correctly. And I think, I think what's abnormal is Alabama and Georgia are actually training correctly. Uh, and not many other programs are, I think Utah state has a, has a very good, uh, strength conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a handful of other guys out there that I respect, but, um, that's my rant. Let's let's make strength conditioning great again. Let's stop doing these bums out here who don't data test, who don't uh, follow observable laws, who are just kind of making up ad hoc, doing shit they did in the 90s. Let's get them out of here. Yeah, I, I I have I think I have three things on this that sort of just came up in my in my head as you're talking about this, and I'm gonna both bounce them Let's off go. of you and, and sort of present some of them. All off the cuff, by the way, straight freestyle, yeah. off the dome. See, that's uh, that's our new trademark is just being a crazy person who can go for for <laughs> an unlimited amount of time on an insane topic. But um, first thing that comes to mind as sort of a a way to not necessarily sum up, but what, what you were saying, but to visualize it better for for people who like me aren't you know as as up on this stuff right like the, the it's you know i just don't i don't follow this stuff super closely I, i'll you know I, I go to the gym i do my i do my stuff but this is not something that i'm i'm tracking consistently the the way that i think it's it's yes. easiest to visualize is by thinking about how football works physically and th- this is something that i i kind of have gained a, a decent inherent understanding of from watching it so much, but you have to understand here, and then Ryan, this is what you were saying early on, right? It's not really a high rep sport. Like you, you do a lot of plays, but it's, it's not something where you're doing these 
you know, you're uh, within a, a short period of time, you're doing a ton of the same thing over and over and over and over again, where, you know, 20 seconds in a row, you're doing something. It's not, it's not a volume sport, really. It's, it's right. defined by, it, by power and, and by velocity. And we don't track either of those things. Like a lot of programs don't track power, don't track velocity. It's like, why wouldn't you, those are the two things that you need. That's, that's it. That's, that's the of whole course, thing. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. Go look at Matt Ray. When you get, when you guys get time, go look at uh, Matt Ray. That's R each. R-H-E-A. Go look at his Twitter and you can look back at like his, his Twitter media tab to like 2016 and find him talking about like uh, the Watts produced or like the like peak velocity on like things like uh, uh, split, like uh, safety bar split squats from certain players and like tracking their velocity even on those like accessory movements. It's absolutely insane. Like the ability to produce power or something, it's very important. It's basically tracked in meters per second at certain weights. And he tracks it very closely. And you can, this is observable stuff. And you can watch the carryover or something like that to like your get off in a football game. And it's not just like, crazy work like the, the idea that like you know uh training your hamstring production and your glute production is just like something you do to get generally stronger is not really correct it has specific carryover to football right like it's how you excel in a block it's how you accelerate on a football field and how you move it's how you're able to bring a tackle to the ground because you're fucking strong and you can pick them up and toss them right like that is what matters in football and, and, and sorry i realize i'm cutting you off going around no, here fine. but uh the the set and rep scheme matters a lot too right like if you think about how a football drive What's, in your opinion, Pat, what is like the longest average drive you would see in a game? Yeah, I mean, on the on the higher end, 11 or 12 plays, right? You, you'll see yeah, some right. that break out of that, but generally you're probably seeing somewhere from, you know, five plays on the short end to 11 or 12 on the long end. And, and it almost never happens. And so how you program a, a correct dynamic effort, lower body day and West Side Methods for football training is a 12 by two squat with 30 second rests. How closely does that mimic football? I mean, almost the fucking T, right? That is like something you train for powerlifting, but it is a direct mimic of football. Something where you're training like roughly 50% uh, of your of your one rep max barbell weight. So if you're a 500 pound squatter, you put 250 in the bar plus resistance bands. You do a set every 30 seconds. You have 12 times sets of two reps and you're testing uh, uh, speed. You're testing, you want to get to 1.8 meters per second as the speed you should be moving the bar at. Uh, it's generally a baseline. That is like, directly what football is it is it's like repeatedly producing levels of force for brief periods of time over and over again on short rest periods that is football that is the definition of football yeah i I, i'll also note here with regards to to matt ray um some of you might uh, i think some of our listeners are specifically indiana fans but some of you might remember when indiana was like weirdly good in 2019 and 2020 um yeah weird matt (laughs) matt ray left in july of 2020 from indiana uh-huh. he was there i believe two <laughs> or three years and it kind of felt like they were way overachieving their talent and like they were way more athletic than they probably should be in 2019 and 2020 and then they fell off in 2021 once he had washed out of the program um he was also at img uh, uh from 2016 to 2017 which you, you might remember as being the high school that produces every five star in the country um like this and, and, this and guess what not... their other guy by the way the other guy i think his name is david blue the other That's alabama correct. guy now yeah uh he he was at uh, Avon High School in Indiana when they won six state titles in thirteen years. Uh, he was the strength coach for that entire run. Uh, just, yeah. just again, just weird coincidence. Yeah, it's like it's it's. I, I I know that from the from the outside, right? From from people who are not really tracking this stuff, from a lot of standard 
even people on the media side, right? This sounds esoteric. This sounds like like crank shit, and it is. We're, we're you know we're you're you're a crank for this. I'll I'll tell you that. Like this is this is a thing that you are a crank for. But yeah, I'm but, a crank uh, like in the Krasinski sense. I yeah, was right. Yeah, yeah, but also it, well, yeah, that's the thing. That's the, the I, I'm a crank about the thing that I talked about last week. But also I'm right. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like. It it is you know this is difficult to follow, but also this is the thing that makes good football teams. This is the thing that makes national champions. It's not just fucking made up. You can't out coach your athleticism. You you can't. Of course, it, like that's this again, is it. Like, the the two ways you build a football team and the college level are recruitment and development. That's the whole category, right? Yeah. And so, how much does the development of like skill set and technique matter? like somewhat at a certain level, right? Like, I think like, you know, improving as a football player obviously is important, but how much really like technique additions are we gaining from the high school or the pro level from these guys? Like how much are you developing via technique as opposed to simply getting faster, stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is what changes. When we talk about the college, the high school game, the college game, college game to the pro game, the biggest difference every single player cites is, oh man, it's a lot faster out there. These guys are fucking fast and strong. Yeah. Like that is what you need to develop more than anything else. I would say a strength coach is second in report and importance only to your recruiting ability. The ability to have a successful strength program is massively important. Massively important. Yeah. So my 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 second point here and something that sort of sticks out to me specifically about Georgia and Alabama. And we talk when we talk about strength programs that are not maximi- you know, maximizing their talent. We are not specific. We're not just talking about Ohio State, right? Like that is. No, it's a lot of schools. I think Oklahoma's yeah. baby shit's yeah. off for most of the time. Oklahoma, there, there are. I mean, Texas for years and years and years has uh, has uh, underachieved its talent level, right? I'll tell you, I really don't like LSU's guy either. LSU's guy. I know they had some. They had a couple a great team a couple years ago, but mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of these LSU players are succeeding because of their like strength development. I think it's a lot of random chance. I believe um, they just fired him, if memory serves. He, they just fired him, yeah. right? Yeah. And also, Miami just hired Aaron Feld, who was the guy who comes to the same tree as L- I can't remember LSU's guy's name, but I know he comes out of the same general training tree as uh, I think it's the Moffitt tree. Moffitt's mm-hmm. the core guy. I have to double check that though. Uh, that Aaron right. Feld is the guy, a, a guy at Miami who comes who comes out of that group, and I think he's going to fail too because I don't think I mean I don't think he's very good. Yeah, well, and, and I wouldn't describe Oregon as being like overwhelmingly athletic these last couple of years they had some guys but I, I don't think that i would say that you know they're blowing you off the field with how how strong and how fast they are i think that they wanted you to think that but i, I don't think that they really were that um but but the yeah. thing that stands out to me about what alabama and what georgia are doing and what other plenty of programs at the g5 utah state you mentioned but plenty of programs all over the sport are doing this nfl teams are doing this but it is it's almost like for these for these staffs it's almost like engineering where it is, you know, what is the minimum input of of weight of whatever it might be that we can that we can do to get the maximum output. You know, it, it's not they're not over programming these things. They're not adding on. Just, oh well, we just need to load on weight to make these guys stronger, right? They're not dumb about this. They are. What is the lightest we can have this guy to maintain his speed, to increase his speed even, while he can still produce enough power to do whatever he needs to do at his position, right? It's 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 position centric, it's body type centric, but also they they are not just maximizing for the sake of maximizing. They're doing you know however much they have to do to make it work, but they're not going above that. It, it's not like oh we need to you know well this this wide receiver. He can block well at 200 pounds, but imagine how much better he could block at 220 pounds. It's like, well, <laughs> but he can block well at 200 well, right. pounds. And, and, and it's just like, it's. I think it's like even more than just like going above and beyond level. It's like, it's where's the focus at, right? Like yeah. if you 
are a program that believes that weight and body fat percentage are determinative of like athletic success, then you're going to focus on weight and body fat percentage. And if a guy goes from 205 pounds, 218 pounds, the same body fat percentage, you're going to call that a wing because he's got more muscle. doesn't matter, of course, if his like squat max is basically the same and his like 40 times got lower or his broad jump hasn't improved at all while adding 13 pounds. Like that's a win for you because the guy is bigger now, right? And that's yeah. what you focus on. That's what you think is determinative because you run a hypertrophy focused program, then that's going to be your result. But, you know, if you're running a program that actually focuses on strength, power, output, speed, then only the metrics that matter to you are strength, power, output, speed, right? Yeah, I, I think that these... these it, it follows logically, yeah. Yeah, I think these programs are, are simply put, they're focusing on the wrong part of the phys the physics equation of football, right? They are, they're focusing on the mass and not the velocity. They're not focusing on... Absolutely. The, ...on the, the, you know, the output. They're, they're focusing on the input. It's It's... You know, well, how how can we, you know, uh, how can we overcome the fact that we don't really know what to do with these guys? We'll just add weight onto them. You know, it, it, it's just, it, it is a, it's a misuse of this of this talent at a lot of places. And 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 the last thing and something that I, I, this is not original to me. I can't remember the guy's name on Twitter. It's a he's a football coach. I think people who are who are on football Twitter a lot are familiar with this guy. He used to go by Bets with a Z. I don't know what he goes by now because he deletes his account all the time. But he's a I think he's a high school coach somewhere. He's a, a you know a film guy makes fun of the PFF guys, right? Um, and he said, I, I think I sent you this this tweet during. He's the season. head of ball sack sports. He's a tone setter, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, et cetera. he's a, he's a tone setter, right? He's one of those guys. Right? You you guys know who I'm talking about when I talk about this group. It's it's a. And by I, the way, we we have the official protection of the tone setters. They have yeah. declared that we are uh, we are safe. <laughs> we like uh, we like the tone setters. We, um, we do. We do have to pay them a monthly racket yeah. fee. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a small anyway. <laughs> it's a small price to pay to to make sure that you <laughs> that you know ball. But um, he said something during the season that I thought was really interesting about how Georgia is comfortable with unique body types, right? And and Georgia understands the strength mm. of unique body types, whereas you have a lot of programs still operating under what was a, a an assumption for a long time about, you know, having a standard issue. This is the, the form that you want guys to fit into because if you can get them all to fit into one form, you'll be more you know, it'll be more uniform. It'll be easier to train if you can, can work guys into a, a prototype essentially. Whereas Georgia has these guys at cornerback at linebacker on the defensive line all over the field that have these unique body types and they are, they're comfortable with that. They understand that that's a strength of being able to recruit at that level is that you can get guys with weird bodies. You can get guys who are just shaped differently than everyone else on the field. And they understand that, if you take guys away... look like Humpty Dumpty, right? Yeah. Guys who look like the Burger King. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you have. <laughs> Sorry, <to die. laughs> and, and it's, it's an understanding of that's a strength if you're a five-star, you know, capable uh, team. If you can get those guys, why are you trying to standardize them? Why are you trying to make them like every other player on your team? They're not. They're different. And it's it's a it's a system that I think a lot of teams used for years and years is just oh let's get them all uniform so that we can train them into the same thing and it's only been it's it's fairly recent that Alabama has shifted away from that and just like just oh like yeah that, Alabama yeah, yeah. fucking explodes in the kind of athletic ability that it's producing right like we didn't think of Alabama as this super fast team in the early Saban era it was they were fucking big they were really fucking big and. As as the as the the eras in college football shifted, so too did Alabama and Georgia and and several other schools into a a, a system where they can highlight those kind of guys. Where you can have a Jordan Davis, and you understand, well, you know, we're probably only going to get 
half the snaps on any given possession if it's a longer possession out of this guy because he's really big but also when he's out there he's going to be impossible to deal with and so we're going to maximize that you know you're going to have a guy like Nicobe Dean who's just fucking weird or you know cornerbacks who are six foot three things like that and they these programs unlike pretty much every other program are really comfortable leading into weird bodies and, and leading into weird skill sets and maximizing those players as athletes instead of trying to change who they are. And I think that that's where you see these combine performances is from freaks like that, right? And they're not being washed away by the systems at these programs anymore. So you're really starting to see more of these guys shine on that level where you can see them individually. Whereas I think a lot of the time you would see players like that from smaller schools, either because they weren't being recruited by the big schools or because they weren't getting trained like that because they were special within those programs. I think of somebody like, um, uh, what was his name? Obi Melifonwu, who is from UConn, right? 6'4", safety. Oh, good call. Who, who yeah, jumped, yeah, yeah. He jumped out of the building and ran like a 4'4", right? They trained that guy different than everybody else on the team because he was different than everybody else on the team. But for a really long time, a lot of the power programs just didn't do that because they didn't think that it was the right thing to do. And right. right. And, and, and it's like the idea it of individualized instruction is so important, right? Like so much of what we do in trade is like is, is fixing weaknesses, right? Like you are generally as a rule of thumb, and this is something Matt Ray preaches a lot that I really appreciate is that, and, and Louis Simmons as well, of course, you are going to gain more strength by fixing your weakest point than you are by developing your already greatest strength, right? Yeah. Like if you're a guy, if you're a, again, this is just a, kind of get in the weeds here, but like if you're a, a bencher who has the strongest triceps in the world, but your, your like upper back is not strong enough to brace for your benches at heavy weights, it doesn't matter how goddamn strong your triceps are. Cause you can't get to a point of like being able to lock the bar out. Cause you can't get it off your chest. Right. Yeah. Or you can't be able to stabilize it. So it, it's like the idea of <clears throat> individualized instruction fixes so many more problems and these generalized plans with every guy in the fucking gym doing a four by four squats. What the fuck does that do? Yeah. If it, like, if one guy has, has weak glutes and needs to be doing a low, uh, like a wide stance, low bar squat. And another guy essentially has problems with his like lower back brace has to be doing like a high bar, close stance squat. Then why are you having those two guys with the same fucking exercise? No variation. It doesn't make any sense. Like who are you helping by doing that? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter how pretty your roof is. If your floor is going to fall apart when you step on it, it doesn't exactly, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why'd you work on the fucking roof first? That doesn't, yeah. Roof looks it's great, man. Logical your floor doesn't right, work. Man. It doesn't make it's fucking crazy to me. Like this stuff isn't like commonplace, but yeah. Um, I guess like the last couple of things. I would, oh, by the way, I want to before I forget, I was meant to bring this up at the start because I thought you'd like this. But our boy Scott Sinclair, our uh, our Georgia boy. Yeah. Uh, do you know where he spent his uh, his previous four seasons before going to Georgia? No. With Kirby. No, enlighten me. Uh, he was the the strength coach at Marshall when they had huh. that run under Doc Holiday of going like I think thirty three and seven <laughs> in those three years. Huh. Uh, that's weird. That was that's him. Yeah, just a weird coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I kind of got off topic there. The other thing too, I want to point out really quick. Oh, oh, right. You, you brought up like weird body things in Georgia. I want to respond to that. Uh, definitely true, right? And and again, I know we are not an Ohio State podcast. I hate to always bring us back to the Buckeyes. It's not my intention. It's just a useful jump off point for me because it's the team I watch the most. Mm-hmm. But if you compare like what happens to Jordan Davis versus what happens to the guy like Tyleek Williams, right? You have a body type. Like Jordan Davis is obviously fucking gargantuan, way bigger than Tyleek. He's what's about 6'5, 341. I think he weighed in at the combine. Yeah. Uh Georgia and Scott Sinclair do not give a fuck what Ty I'm sorry, what what Jordan Davis where uh weighs if he produces force at the rate he's supposed to, and if he moves the way he's supposed to, right? If he can move people the way he's supposed to, it's his job. 
What does it matter what he weighs? It may slightly affect his conditioning, but that can be improved differently. And regardless, the, the, the level of difference you're going to change in a guy going from like 340 to 325 in his conditioning is fucking minuscule, right? You're only going to play a certain number of reps regardless. You compare that to a guy like Tyreek Williams, who got, got recruited by Ohio State as a like 330-pound disruptive nose tackle, and they bring him into campus, slow him down to 295, move him to three tech, uh, and then tell him, hey, you got to put weight back on, move him back to one tech this season and get out to 320 or whatever. It's just fucking insane. Jordan Davis came in big as shit in Georgia, and they told him, hey, uh, you're already big as shit. Get strong as shit. Be really fucking strong. Move yeah. fast. And like that's what he's doing. He produces force better than anybody else because he has more mass to produce force with. He is not wasting mass on fat the way they're going to if they bulk up Tyreek Williams 35 pounds in an offseason. Uh, Jordan Davis is a efficient like athlete. He's a very biologically efficient athlete who is a mechanically sound and, and f- like rapidly force-producing player. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really what it comes down to is, is, is just, yeah, it's wasted motion with a lot of these strength and conditioning programs, both literally in what they're doing, but in just the entire thing that they have going on, it mirrors what they're doing to their players. They're just adding all this weight that they don't fucking need. You don't need to do all this shit. You're, you're, you're it is focus- inefficient. Yeah. You're focusing on things that don't matter at all. You're like, it, and, and just- one more thing too before we get into our next. Uh, before I actually let you talk about your uh, acoustic preview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. Get into this is if I ever hear someone talk again that fucking 2007 ass opinion about how players from certain regions of the country are just faster or stronger, I should slap you in the mouth. That yeah. is so goddamn stupid. People are just like, uh, yeah, there's just more. Like people just genuinely believe in their hearts. There's just more like big defensive tackles in the state of Georgia or something. There's yeah. anywhere else in the country. Or that, like, you just believe that, you know, uh, guys from Florida were just faster for a certain period of time. It is literally all about training. It's the only yeah. thing that matters is training. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you can observe this. Yeah, again, I'm going to get in the fucking weeds here, but uh, teams from <laughs> like Bulgaria, right? When Bulgaria was like the head of, of, of basically Olympic weightlifting, they would just canvas the country for children, every region of the country, every ethnic group, uh, whatever, to just see basically who could mentally handle lifting as frequently as they did, which is three max out attempts per day, every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, another point for another day. Um, and uh, there's no like, there, there, there's no certain very like a uh, 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 trend line that, you know, guys from a certain region of Bulgaria left it better, or, you know, people from a certain uh, a group, whatever ethnic group were better than others. It's just literally just like, if you are trained correctly, you meant to afford you to handle something and you have a certain level of athletic development, you can, that that's the determinant factor. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. Yeah. It's like size, athletic ability, uh, and, and existing development are the only things that matter. Um, and, I mean, you can look this back in the 90s, right? Like, remember when Nebraska was the biggest, strongest program in college football? Like, what happened to those guys? The people in the Great Plains just all of a sudden, like, regress genealogically in a couple mm-hmm. in a generation and get smaller and slower? <laughs> like, yeah. like what, what happened? Like, or was it just that Nebraska uh, had a better strength program at the time than anybody else, and now they don't? Like, what do you think is more likely? Yeah, it, it is not regionality; it's laziness. It, it's 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 a lack of investment, or it's laziness in a lot of these yeah. a lot of these places. And and you know, Florida, Georgia, Southern states have invested in this stuff. <laughs> like they they a lot of those absolutely pro- a lot of football programs in the South have strength and conditioning staffs for fucking middle school football. That that's that's why Dude, they're better it, athletes. That's it. And let alone that, talk about the, the investment at the highest level. Like God bless Nick Saban, uh, just as a as a guy in athletics. He is like the, the money he gave to Matt Ray to run like academic studies when he was at Alabama. Like Matt Ray was running academic studies in Alabama football players to measure things like their watt production and like force production yeah. uh, and, and like, you know, uh, velocity. 
that's not what's going to like benefit athletic training for a long time to come and is like a principle you should always be following is to basically test players at the highest level when you're testing for athletics, like test the best athletes in the world, uh, test power lifters, test Olympic lifters, test sprinters, test football players, and figure out what works for them, what doesn't work and why certain things correlate to others. Uh, like these are, they're doing serious rigorous academic studies with thousands of thousands of data points and they have been for years. Yeah. Uh, it's not just fucking guesswork. It's not a game. Like, right. We're not just having some guy come in. It's some fucking meathead who got his, uh, masters in, you know, 1987 from some dick shit university in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell you how, how important it is guy. to come in yeah. and do pharmacy carries. Yeah. Some guy, some <laughs> fucking guy. There's a thousand guys like this though. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mick Marotti is the America's average strength coach. Oh, anyway, I think that's all I've got. I think I, yeah. I think I'm, uh, tap myself out. I, I'm just, I get so wound up about this shit, but Basically, if you're a football journalist, like I think you have to have a certain level of literacy about strength and conditioning to understand why certain programs do and don't develop their players. That's yeah, part of the uh, game. It is. It's like a big part of the game. It's. <laughs> it it really. It is as big or bigger than anything except for recruiting. Yeah, and it's like it's more important than play calling. And you have to have literacy about that. Everybody knows about at least a little bit about recruiting. There's not a there's not a guy working right now out here, you know, on a team beat in the national thing that doesn't know about recruiting. That doesn't talk at least a little bit about recruiting. This is recruiting. This is the, <laughs> this is you know, it, it, it's 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 on that kind of level of like you have to know about this stuff. And and it's you know I'm I'm the scheme guy here. I'm the one who talks about scheme, and I understand that you can't scheme around not having good enough athletes. It doesn't matter how much your players know about what they're doing if they can't fucking keep up with their opponent it's simple it's very very simple right like if, if the three steps of football are how you like how you land a player how you develop a player and how you deploy a player and you're only focused on two of those three things you have a huge knowledge gap in the middle right like you are not learning a big part of that in the middle yeah and if you really want to know football the way you should you should know all three parts of that yeah yeah and that's uh i i think that that's kind of what we hope to do to do here and and uh you know i i think we're scolding the, you we are yeah, scolding we're scolding, we're, we're scolding all of our we're listeners. telling you you're a very bad boy yeah and uh yeah, you, and if you are you're on notice yeah if you guys aren't watching um <laughs> clinics of the best strength and conditioning staffs if you don't have a top 10 ranking in your head right now that you can access of the best strength <laughs> and conditioning coaches um yeah you're a you're a bad guy no but i i, I and, just, by the way i will i will oh sorry really, really quick, yeah. i will acknowledge by the way that uh you have to work harder to learn about this stuff. Like it is a lot of very opaque stuff. A lot of information you can only get by watching clinics that are like maybe available on YouTube from five years ago. Like it is not easy to access strength and conditioning information on specific programs in the way that maybe to see like a film breakdown of Jim Knowles' defense or of, you know, uh, um, Bobo's offense or something like that. Mm-hmm. You have to work a little harder to learn this information, but the reward for it is worth it. And it does make you a smarter and better football fan. Uh, you can start with, uh, you can start with, uh, Strength training. Uh, what's the what's the name of the fucking book? One second. Um, you were asking the wrong guy. Louis Sim- <laughs> special. Well, I'm I'm getting uh, um, I I am getting my like 14. It's special strength development for all sports by Louis Simmons is a good starting point for for why uh, different training methods work in certain sports others don't. Um, read there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely, I would encourage people to, if you're interested in this at all, if you're interested in understanding more about why the teams that are winning are winning um, and why there are teams that are underachieving despite having high levels of talent, why there are teams that overachieve despite lower levels of talent, this is why. It's, it's it's you know, 
this is what makes a a program that is consistently overachieving just like it's what makes right. a program that's consistently underachieving you know you ask why oh why does uh why does northwestern always have really good linebackers it's not just fucking magic they, <laughs> they you know they they build really strong explosive linebackers you know why does wisconsin always have a good offensive line it, yeah they don't just fucking do that they're they're training them in a specific way it's absolutely it's, it's institutional knowledge at these programs but it's not just magic they understand how it works. They have a good grasp on it. And it, it's, you at know, the same time, like, like, sorry, I got to keep cutting you off here, Pat. No, I'm just fine. very passionate today. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like look at the guys like, you know, Trayvon Walker at Georgia and Tyreek Smith at Ohio state who came in with basically similar, as, as I recall, uh, fairly similar recruiting rankings or, uh, you know, a, a guy like, uh, Nick Petit Freire at Ohio state compared to a guy at like, uh, uh Evan Neal, Alabama, who had fairly similar recruiting rankings and how, uh, uh, the la- the two players at Ohio State have such poor performance at the combine compared to their peers. How they just completely underperform in, rel- in, in relation to those guys, and, and really don't impress at all. How Nick Matthew ends up with what, like an eight foot eight broad jump, something fucking absolutely awful like that. Yeah. This might be one of the lighter linemen in the draft. Like that does not happen by accident. You don't input elite players into a program, into two different programs, and one of them come out much more elite than the other at the other side uh, without the development being fucked up some along the way. It's not some just like a random, uh, you know, random chance that a certain strength yeah, coach five, gets targeted by me on Twitter. I, like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, five, here, right? five, like five star recruits aren't just like that, guys. They're not just like that. It's not. Oh, they don't just. Oh, this one's not very athletic. No. <laughs> They're not just it like happens. They're like it happens so infrequently that guys <laughs> actually like uh, are just true genetic freaks who can go anywhere and do anything. Like a guy like Chad Johnson who famously claims to eat McDonald's before every game, or whatever. Right? Like that yeah. is like the one in uh, a thousand of, of football players. That is yeah. not the norm. Guys have to be developed. They are like essentially finely tuned machines that have different inputs and outputs, and you have to understand how to, how to press the right buttons. Yeah. And unfortunately, some strength coaches don't. Yeah. All right. Um, now that we have have uh, drilled, oh in man, on, we have forty five minutes on that. Yeah, Jesus Christ! On, on strength and conditioning talk, um, Ryan, do you want to talk? Is this about, just the episode, or this, do we? This, <laughs> this might honestly, at this point, it might just be the episode because we do want to. We we were we are going to preview the conference USA, um, which I, I will note only has eleven teams in it. I, I'm not counting the three that are departing for the Sun Belt in the QSA this season for the sake of my my previews at the outside zone. Um, so we're only going to talk about 11 teams, but as we've done 45 minutes on strength and conditioning, it does seem like that might just be the whole episode at this point, And we might do CUSA next week. Yeah. I suppose I could probably keep going too. I guess. <laughs> I think. Sure. So I, I, I do actually, I, I think that this could be, we, we could even flesh this out a little bit more. We were going to have you do a solo episode on, on this at some point, but I think, I think that this works. I probably have yeah. more to, I can do this for 10 sure. episodes, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> so, so something that I, I, I think is also kind of important to understand about this is both the the idea of every athlete, every person being different in their body makeup and being different in what kind of training they need for their position, for mm-hmm. how they're built, um, you know, for, for any number of things, right? And a lot of programs just don't quantify that stuff, even though they have the resources to do it. It's really not that hard. You can figure out how these guys, what their body makes up, makeups are pretty easily. Uh, you can measure that stuff. It's not magic. It's not, it's just pretty, pretty simple science that they have the money to do. But something else that I, I think is, is interesting about this and something that I think a lot of programs that do have, and this is kind of where, where it, where it intersects with what I, you know, know most about football. Something that I think a lot of programs that do have a talent disadvantage do really well. The ones that that overachieve that 
um, is they match the way that they train their athletes. They match those individualized training efforts with what they're doing on the field, right? They, they, they have a, they're not developing these guys to their system necessarily because that's not a great way to do things. It's not to, you know, oh, I need to fit my players into my system. But they have an understanding of the baseline things that they need for their stuff, and they have an understanding of how to train that specifically. You know, and, and I think that there are a lot of examples of programs that have done this really well and have jumped up because of it. Um, Baylor comes to mind as one under Dave Aranda that's doing a really, really good job of developing players that fit specifically for what Dave Aranda is trying to do while he can he can work different kinds of guys into his defense he he does understand you know I need this at safety I need this ability at cornerback and they do a really good job of developing that specifically and I'm I'm just curious what what teams do you stand out as having a really good I think alignment is probably the right word between its 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 coaching staff, its strength and conditioning staff, and and the the way that they're heading for development of of athletes off the field, and then how those guys fit into what they want to do on the field. Yeah, I guess to me, like the biggest thing is is like really understanding. I'm trying to think. How I want to answer this here. Um, the specialization level to me, I think it becomes more like on the individual level. It does on the team level. I think almost because the overall team goals are, should be, if again, if things program correctly, should be identical at every school, right? Like I, I don't think there's necessarily a school that wants slower quarterbacks or, you know what I mean? Like there's not a school that wants like linemen that are better at moving <laughs> like horizontally instead of, instead of being able to leverage a block well, right? Like I think a lot of the demands to position are nearly identical. It's just a matter of execution on them. But I, I do think at a certain level, there are certain body types that I agree that like they're favored by certain teams. Um, you know, you may want, you know, longer cornerbacks that may, you know, of course um, you should expect that uh, you wouldn't have the same level of, um, uh, of like explosive output for a, a longer athlete necessarily one-to-one uh, you know, or, or like you may have the same upper body strength for a guy like that. Maybe different as you go, but I don't know. I, I think a lot of the training programs are are very similar um, when done correctly. And there isn't a ton of necessary specialization. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I guess I realize I'm kind of rambling there. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. I, I want to ask too about because this is something that I see a lot from people who sort of have a baseline understanding. I would say of the importance of development, but don't really know a whole lot beyond that. Um, how how important is it or unimportant is it to have an experience in in multiple sports in high school or in middle school is that something that you and and, and the people that you listen to in strength and conditioning value or is that more just a thing that people say to say um i i think i think at a young age especially like we're like i'd say before the age of 12 uh uh performance across multiple sports or especially across like different athletic disciplines um, are, are really useful. There's a really good book about this called rule of three. Mm. Uh, and essentially again, to get into old, like Soviet training methods, but I, I, it's not just some, like, uh, I don't want to clarify here. It's not some kind of like, you know, Ryan's communist fetishization thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Soviets were some of the first people to like, essentially document and, and, uh, write down across very large sample sizes. They're training of different population groups. Uh, and, essentially there is a certain uh, uh, level of exposure to different sports, different athletic activities, running, jumping, swimming, wrestling, uh, you know, things like that that are really good for young athletes under the age of 12, basically prepubescent athletes uh, to get them a broad, a broad base of athletic ability uh, prior to uh, hitting puberty and taking strength training seriously and going from there. Um, I, I think specialization has its value, but so does, um, 
Um, so let's play multiple sports. Of course, like the, the biggest issue though, is that uh, I believe firmly that the single biggest developer for an athlete, as I've talked about is a sh- correct strength and conditioning program. And whatever you're doing cannot take away from the importance of the off season. Right. So um, to a certain point, yes, you're going to play multiple sports, especially at a young age. But if you're a high level like athlete getting to 15, 16, starting to get recruited, um, you really should not, in my opinion, continue to be playing basketball if you're a football player. Um, I think you can get more. I'm not saying that it's going to like prevent you from success. Of course, you can still be successful. Of course, different athletic disciplines have different value. But the most clear line to being developed is to go from is to work in a, is to work in a weight room, right? Is to improve your strength, your speed, your conditioning. That is the most important thing. So, but like for example, if you're like uh, you know uh, maybe you're a 360 pound offensive lineman from a town in Indiana who doesn't have a serious strength program mm-hmm. uh, and you need to lose weight, maybe running all the time and playing basketball is better for you than going to like a dog shit program. There's nothing doing anyway. So yeah. I think there's a time and place for everything. But to me, essentially. Um, playing multiple sports at a young age, exposing you to different athletic disciplines, and then later on specializing and focusing on your technique and your weight room development are what's really important. I have something, I have two things here that I, I, I'm going to try. I, I think both are going to rev you up and that's what I'm going for. Um, Let's I, go. I'm going to start first with, with the, I think the, the one that I see a lot of, and one that I think is going to be near and dear to your heart, given the team that you root for, but it, I see everywhere. I see this everywhere. Um, there was a kid I just saw who I'm not going to name, who is committed to a, 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 he recently committed to a football team, a major football team. And he said that in, he recently said on Twitter that in the two weeks since he committed, he has gained 12 pounds because the school asked him to. Come on. Can you <laughs> explain? Can you, can you, can you tell me who this is and just like delete it from the podcast really quick? Um, I will, I'll text it to you, but, um, uh, okay. th- this is, so could you explain to people because I think that this is something that a lot of people, not necessarily our listeners, just people in general who, you know, football fans, non-football fans, people who think about this with, with weight, right? Can you explain why the idea of someone adding 12 pounds of muscle is <laughs> a fucking insane thing to say in like, in two weeks? Yeah, let right, alone in two weeks, absurd. in like, like eight years. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of money. No, no, no. I mean, like you can, I mean, you can get that in a single test cycle pretty quickly in like eight to 12 weeks, but, uh, it, it, I mean, you'd be running, uh, testosterone, yes, which yeah. I don't have any moral judgment against, but I would say is not ideal, uh, specifically, uh, specifically for, uh, you know, young athletes of a certain age, but yeah, basically if you're adding weight that rapidly, uh, it's just an absolute waste of time. Uh, and I just saw the name, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not smart, right? Like, it's just like there's a certain level uh, of of weight addition, of weight loss, at which point you're op- you're not really operate operating in optimal conditions. Um, it's different. Like the higher body fat percentage you are, it's easier to cut weight really rapidly and not have negative side effects. Um, but to gain weight rapidly is almost always going to be like a, a bloat bulk is what we call it, where you just like, uh, it's something I know very well, <laughs> you just end up getting fat, uh, <laughs> while you're getting stronger and like the marginal gains from like, uh, doing it that way and adding 12 pounds in two weeks, as opposed to, uh, you know, adding five pounds in two weeks, uh, is there's virtually no additional marginal gains and mm-hmm. it's just sloppier and creates more work to do down the road. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, the, but, it's, but of the program you're talking about, 
uh, that's certainly very consistent with with yeah. what they do. Yeah, it's so. it's the difference between adding adding good weight and adding bad weight is that it's easy to add bad weight <laughs> and it's harder to add good weight. And I think that that's you know, it, it's we see this a lot with a lot of programs with with players who are saying you know I just basically eat as much as I possibly can. Like that's not it's not a one to one thing or it's oh well the more i the more i eat the bigger i get and therefore the stronger i get like just eating is not gonna make you stronger it's just gonna make you bigger it's not bigger does not equal stronger and i think that that it's there's a there's a a a misunderstanding of that even within the professional ranks of this um the other thing and i i think that this ties back into what you were saying earlier about how it's not a regional thing being athletic, right? It's not that, oh, the no. South produces more athletes. The South has more athletes, but that's not necessarily, they're not, it, it, there's, you know, there are more people playing. There are going to be more good athletes because of that. There should be, if there was a higher engagement within, of you know, of, of sports in Ohio, in Idaho, in wherever it might be, there would be more good athletes. It's, it's if there was a better investment, there would be good athletes. But something that I, that I, I think, and this drives me crazy, and I'm not even, this is not my bag to the extent that it is you. Um, seeing strength and conditioning coaches who are doing things, not necessarily backwards, but the old way, right? Who are doing things that are not maximizing efficiency, who are producing players who get injured, who are producing players who do not, you know, they're not explosive on the level that they need to be, whatever it might be. Seeing these guys do clinics for high school coaches all the time. All the time, they're bringing in these guys who are training up fifteen-year-olds, sixteen-year-olds. They're they're training just blind leading the blind, though. I mean, like, sure, I mean, yeah. I'll, but I'll, I'll tell you this: even if a strength coach can can teach some of these coaches how to like lift correctly with with uh, form, that might. I mean, as much as I knock these guys, when, when you're going to say the average high school strength coach is just like a guy who used to play football, sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It still might be valuable. If they just teach squat form, I think it's a win sometimes. Yeah, but it is. I see. I see the more advanced ones, right? I, I see. You know, oh well, this is this is the kind of program that you need to be running, right? And it's you know, it's no wonder that a lot of these states aren't producing any talent. They're fuck. They're, no one knows how to develop football players. There are you know, guys like um you know uh, like like Matt Ray who was who was down at IMG in Florida. There are a lot of coord- There are a lot of strength and conditioning staffs in that area who but our boy sean rose i want to give a shout out to him yeah sean uh, rose show right sean rose who is the head strength conditioning coach for south florida express that's right a seven on seven team has mm -hmm. a head strength conditioning coach yeah uh that's what we're talking about that's the difference and it's like there are there are strength and conditioning coaches more of them in that area that are up on the the good stuff they're up on the studies they're they're you know Looking at the kind of data that Nick Saban is is giving his yeah the good stuff step. like like trend and D ball and test E <laughs> uh, and HGH yeah uh, allegedly stuff, but, uh, but but you know that the the purpose of those those you know Nick Saban doing that he's not just doing that out of the goodness of his heart right like he he understands that's something that information can be valuable to people at lower levels to then produce more talent it's it's not they're not just doing this for no reason that's it's valuable information and it's just it's there and you know it's 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 frustrating to me to see staffs at higher levels who a lot of people trust who a lot of people look to as sort of a, a thing to model themselves off who are doing things wrong they're not just hurting their players by doing this they're not just hurting their own teams by doing this they are hurting you know generations of of football players within their states within their areas 
they are literally like causing damage to them physically, causing injuries, ligament injuries, things like that to them by doing this shit wrong. It's not just, you know, oh, we're not winning enough games because our strength and conditioning staff isn't isn't doing a good job. This is hurting these guys. This this is, you know, hurting their careers, hurting them, their bodies. It is it is a it is an imperative to do this the right way, right? It's it's not just a oh well this you know it's it's not like firing a cornerbacks coach because he's not developing his players well. This is a this is a big part of the game and a big part of these guys' lives. No, I couldn't agree more. I absolutely cannot agree more. Um, it, it's a it's a real thing uh, and, and a real problem. Like I, I think it's just I don't know, man. It's very to me. Uh, it's very embarrassing uh, to see these programs do the things they do to just have a complete lack of focus to not understand the needs of their athletes, the needs of their program in the same way, uh, especially even just from a purely practical standpoint. Well, I guess first, let me say this is like we talked about most football coaches and most like media members around a certain, uh, a certain ecosystem aren't really equipped to understand whether or not a strength coach is good. Right. Just yeah. like to, to most of these guys, just like a, a guy who yells a lot, right. Who teaches how to <laughs> do a squat. Like there's no context for what is or isn't good for a certain lift. Like, you know, you can watch, uh, I don't know, like there was an Instagram video going around the other day uh, of Derek Henry doing, a, I saw like a 405 by eight on trap bar deadlifts, which is like essentially weight, like any guy over, you know, 230 pounds who lifts four times a week for a year or two is able to move on a trap bar deadlift. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, holy shit, this is, this is incredible. Like it's Derek Henry. Uh, what a street freaky strong guy. And I think it's just like a lack of literacy about what, what strength programs mean, like what, how they like, you know, develop, even what like standards are for them, uh, which is a real problem. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing. If you just don't have an ability to grade these guys, but, but again, even if you don't care about from a player safety standpoint, if you're a strength coach or you don't even understand how you're hiring a player, even from a selfish standpoint, like just wanting the team to be better, wanting you to keep your job. Wouldn't you think having measurable results where you're able to show how you help a player like grow in a certain capacity other than like checking in body fat once every spring or checking in like a 40 time once an off season. Like, don't you think you'd want to measure that stuff in a different way? Like that you'd actually be able to prove you're developing a guy better. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you would think and it's, you know, Nick Saban, Kirby smart. They don't have these armies of analysts just dicking around. They're not just there for fun. That's what they're looking at. They're looking at tracking data. They're looking at shit like this. They're figuring out how to maximize these athletes based on the tracking data that they have you know, that they have those guys, a lot of those analysts are doing that in conversion to, to on-field stuff. They're doing advanced scouting. They're doing things like that. But there are so many people that work within these staffs to to track information, to get the most amount of information on a player possible. And a lot of programs are, for no reason, limiting the amount of information that they have on their players. There's no reason to do this. They have the money. They have the technology. They just don't want to do it. It's, you know, well, that's not how we do things. And it's, it's stupid. It's a stupid way to do things. You could just do it. You could just track it. It's right there. Every it's known. Oh, absolutely. You know how to do it. Oh, by the way, uh, sorry, I just want to jump in here really quick, but, uh, I was, uh, I was able to get uh, definitive proof, uh, that Kaz Kazadi, uh, your guy at, uh, Baylor, the strength coach, Mm -hmm. uh, is another West side Marble guy. Ah. I just want to say once again, how, how how could we have possibly known it's, His his team is (laughs) overachieving its talent level and producing freak athletes. Uh, The guy who just, what was it? Guy just ran a a 4-2-6, right? Kalan Barnes. Yeah. 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 You pretty much pick a team out of a hat. And yeah, that's what they're going to be doing. It's, It's, you know, they're tracking. They're pulling from trees that are proven to work. They are... 
they're doing this shit that we're talking about. They're 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 not following just whatever the thing that they were told to do when they were you know growing up in the eighties and seventies. They're not just doing that. There's, these guys are are much. You can be a lot smarter about this. You don't have to be a huge meathead about strength and conditioning. It's science. It's not it's not that hard. It's it like. You just have to want to do it. You have to want to 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 learn this stuff. And a lot of of coaches, a lot of staffs, this is a problem in coaching in general. Don't want to learn new things because they. We, you know, we we do though. I just want to point out really quick here, Pat. We do have to be very careful of of any kind of uh, any kind of anti meathead conversations. Sure. I know you're not anti meathead. I know you would never do something <laughs> like that to me. Uh, no, but... it's, 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 we want, we want informed meathead. That's, I, I think that there's, there's nothing wrong with being a meathead. If you are the kind who, right. is, who is going out and, and, and understanding, you know, you're, you're maximizing how to be a meathead, right? Right. And you should, you know, you should be going up to, um, to random people at your gym and, and giving them unsolicited advice. <laughs> once you become that knowledgeable, you should be uh-huh. telling them like, Hey, have you considered doing it this way? Yeah. That's the kind of guys we want in our corner. Uh, no, but, but, you know, our dear friend, DJ Burns, uh, host of the Crowcast, writer of the rooster, mm-hmm. uh, was officially placed on notice during the Arnold weekend for too much anti, anti meathead mm-hmm. content. Uh, and he'll be working his way back into my good graces, uh, as my dear friend going forward. We're hearing that DJ is not a tone setter and that's, it's troubling. It's troubling <laughs> to see that from, from somebody who you believed you could trust and who you believed was a, was a tone setter. Um, Ryan, do you, do you have anything else on this before we, uh, before we get out of here? No, no, I got a bottle of wine to finish. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like I'm on the afterglow of this one. Um, I suppose people have more questions or want me to get more into like specific periodization, like what makes different programs better or successful. Like, I, I don't know. I could get more into that side of stuff. I think a lot of it's like powerlifting specific and as much football carryover as today, but I'm happy to talk about it and how different uh, volume intensity ranges uh, mean different things. Football players, how, different periodization affects that stuff, like the wave periodization as opposed to undulating, like the West side versus Texas method stuff, different questions like that. I'm happy to get into it. Um, I should caveat all of this and saying I am not a certified uh, strength coach. Mm-hmm. None of this is professional advice. It is simply a guy who likes to lift weight and a guy who loves football uh, and uh, loves the intersection of the two and has read a lot about it. That's pretty much the stance I'm coming from. I think I probably, I don't think there's a ton of people in the, sphere that we're in who have kind of like the knowledge base that, that I think we're happy to have on here about this stuff. And, uh, it's fun to talk about for me. So happy to answer more questions about this. And of course, if anyone would like to argue with me too, mm-hmm. uh, let's get into that. Yeah. It was conflict week. We forgot to even mention folks. It was conflict week. That was why Ryan was, conflict was, week. That's why he was out last yeah. week. It was conflict week. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, just an army of like annoying SB nation guys yeah. with uh, equally sized necks and biceps. It, it, fucking... uh, yeah. Uh, the ones who are annoying are of course not the ones who listen to the show. We like them, but the, no, uh, we like yeah. those ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the rest of them. But, but the, the pencil neck little baby who, yeah. who tweets like, um, okay. Having a freaking normal one. Well, the tanky college football podcast guys posting about the freaking Ukraine. Shut the fuck up. Shut dude. up man. Conflict. <laughs> at the end baby. of the day, at the end of the day, most people who post like that are are built like a number two pencil, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd be happy to put them in the trash can. And that's an important lesson they should all learn. Yeah, they're all playing offensive tackle for Ohio State this upcoming season. <laughs> that's, that's what we're looking into changing, folks. God damn it. Yeah. I can't believe they let fucking Nick T. have an eight foot eight broad job. You know how pathetic that is? Dude. Did you watch Jeremy Ruckert bench, dude? I'm sorry. What's the last thing? <laughs> I, I saved all my Ohio State stuff. This guy. 
is a six foot five, 275 pound tight end. He's been in the strength program for four years. Yeah. And he can't do one rep of 225 without humping the air and bridging off the bench. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. What Pl- are you doing in your program? Plates If fall- he's not doing that stuff, like, like <laughs> plates what's, falling what's, what's... off the bar. It looks like Mr. Magoo out there. And he's, yeah, he's fucking twisting <laughs> the bar and it's like sixth rep. Yeah, I counted like when they, once they commanded him to, to actually get his ass down, he had six real reps, man. Like, your ass cannot leave the bench and count it as a real rep. That's not how it works. Yeah. That's not a bench rep. Yeah. He's gasping for air, trying to put 225 up. <laughs> it's on. This guy weighs 225 pounds. Yeah. He's, a, he's supposed to be an elite athlete, dude. right? He's in a college training conditioning program. Like, what have you been doing for four I years? Can't believe he can't, the, he doesn't, I can't believe this dude got pushed around by Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> he can't bench. He can't bench. He doesn't know how to bench. Like, and especially... We had we had Brian Hartline subtweeting our mm-hmm. podcast <laughs> after after day one of, of the uh, of the NFL Combine. Yeah, because, after after Chris uh, Olave and Garrett Wilson ran fast. Yeah, great job, man. Yeah, like no, well, that's really weird they did that. <laughs> you I'm sure guys they ever did that made those guys really got fast. To State. Yeah. Anyway, how the rest of the Combine go? I didn't see any posts about that afterwards. <laughs> uh, I didn't see any posts about. Again, I like these guys. I'm not trying to personally like. I like Thayer Munford. I like Nick mm-hmm. Pierre. You know, I feel bad for I them. Like, I think I I want better for them. Right. Like that's that that's you know I see these as people and I think that they're mistreating them. <laughs> they're mis- like come on, dude. Like these numbers they're putting up. Like you know, the players in the lines at Ohio State are ranking near the bottom of the Combine at every like every. Uh, Every metric this season. Yeah, Thayer Munford, Thayer Munford had a 22-inch vertical leap. That's like, <laughs> he just reached. That is he just stood up so and stretched fucking his arm. Bad, it's dude. so bad. It's like, and I know that, you know, oh, offensive linemen, they don't need to jump. Like, no, that's explosiveness. It's not meant to test how high you can it's jump. Not, yeah, it's not a measure of actually how far you can it's jump. Stupid. It's a measure of your ability to produce force from your hamstrings. Like, yeah. That is what the fucking measure is. People who say that shit... Oh, uh, well, I don't have to see an offensive lineman run 40 yards. Like, yeah, everyone's testing the first fucking 10, and your get-off's terrible if you're – like, a lot of these guys have terrible get-offs, right? Yeah. Like, Haskell Garrett ran, what, a 5-0, something like that, at – ran over a 5 flat yeah. at uh, 300 and – like, 301 pounds, maybe. Uh, first of all, it shouldn't even be that big. He's too damn short for that. Yeah. Uh, and Jordan Davis is 40 pounds heavier and runs a 4.78. Like, like that's my that's my proof positive right there. Like I can I can just stack up these body types. Like look at Trayvon Walker next to Tyreek Smith. Look at Jordan Davis next to Haskell Garrett. Look at Nick Petit Friere next to Evan Neal. Uh, Thayer Munford against any other tackle in the draft mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, and compare the athletic profile. Is Thayer Munford the least athletic player in the draft? Oh, he's got to uh, he's got to be up there. I mean, <laughs> Matter Matteriza is a better athlete than Thayer Munford. Yeah, dude, yeah. It's even even with to to finish Ohio State hour here. Look at Seven Banks's career, and then look at all of the cornerbacks at Georgia. Rankings aren't Jesus. that different, folks. They're not that different. Seven Banks like six foot one, pretty good athlete. Didn't do anything. <laughs> well, he's 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 definitely he's just also not a dog too. You got to sure. factor that in. Sure. The fact that but, he does not have that dog in him. Well, don't recruit him in the first place. Georgia doesn't recruit guys who don't have. No, that I dogs agree. In them. But um, yeah, it, it is. Well, hey, that's uh, trust me. If, if I were making the decisions, things have gone a little bit different. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. If you were out there, folks, it would have gone a little bit differently. You're you're. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to pretend like I have the fucking uh, magic eye. I will not say that. There have been a lot of guys I've been wrong about in my yeah. time, but not me. Uh, that's cool, but not me. I don't I've, know. I've never missed and, on Hey, by about. the way, just just one last thing. One mm-hmm. last thing before we go. And one last Ohio State thing. I went, I went almost the whole podcast being good. I didn't really yeah. talk about them very much. Yeah. Why do you guys think Nick Marotti is good anyway? Who told you that? Like Urban Meyer and Ken Stickney told you Nick Marotti was good and you all mm-hmm. believe it? I did. It was me. What else have you heard from those guys? They, you know, Urban Meyer told you Bill Davis could be the best linebacker coach in America. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, people <laughs> Ken who- Stickney told you uh, Justin Fields was lying about being told the N-word, right? He, mm-hmm. he told you a lot of things. Like, he told you there was a practice on days there weren't. Like, what? You yeah, believe Ken, that too? Ken Stickney, like, he told you he was going to create an outlet that has writers who are credentialed to go to games. He lied. Folks, he lied. <laughs> he wasn't telling the truth. I, I don't know. Like, like who? What's your base for saying Mick Morati is the best in the country? Mick Morati? Like, like who yeah, else? Like, I don't know. It's because Mick, it's because it, it's because they post pictures of guys getting bigger. That's <laughs> wow. Look at and that. they have he cool. They have cool motorcycles damn, too on the field. Like, wow, look at that cool motorcycle. Wow, look at this picture of the yeah, running back with his uh, shorts pulled up to his dick. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing they're doing a Saint Valentine's Day massacre. That sounds fucking hard, dude. I, I bet that's cool. No mat drills. They're gonna pl- they have to play tug of war in gym mm-hmm. class. That sounds hard. <laughs> they're, play- they're doing gym class activities. This is like like <laughs> the reason the reason writers uh, and the sports media think that like the mat drills are so difficult and brutal uh, is because they were bad at gym class. Yeah, and they're like they're having memories like oh no I don't I don't like playing tug of war with yeah. the rope. That's I don't want to do that. Not me. Uh, folks. That's why I, that's I, why he that's that's not that's us. Memories. This is the official podcast of guys who like gym class. It was fun. I had a good time. <laughs> Listen, if you if you couldn't ear hole over half of your classmates the rubber red dodgeball, I don't know what to tell you, man. If you weren't getting after it and, and capture the flag, it just it's yeah, you're not a dog. You don't have that dog in you. Well, I'm not gonna claim that. Let's let's be clear. Oh, I was on. slow. Okay. I, I was I was absolutely slow. Running base games, not for me. Uh, I was diving over the barriers, uh, man. I was going for it. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, was, I didn't have the physical. I, I didn't quite have the physical ability, but I did absolutely have the uh, the 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 willingness to just go all in on it. And I, I think that that's uh, yeah. yeah that, that we bring both sides to the same coin. Where are I'll, whereas I'll tell you this though, I, I fucking dare you to play me in sharks and minnows. To this day, to this day, <laughs> let's play sharks and minnows. Line it up. <laughs> oh. play Red Rover? Find out you can get through. Find out. <laughs> Come and get some. <laughs> oh man. That's uh yeah. The, any, anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the end of the podcast. Yeah. It's a Red Rover call out. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah Any, i don't know anybody who wants um, to it's it's con we're turning it into conflict month but only in the form <laughs> of gym class games folks it's it's that's right red rover we're playing sharks and minnows we're doing um i don't know i don't remember the other ones we did a lot of three-on-three basketball because our coach couldn't think of anything else um okay we're, we're doing the we're we watching street hockey street hockey was Ooh, big for us oh yeah where you got the big foam sticks <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. that's good stuff. We uh we're watching the, you know, uh, gym teachers all out of ideas. He's putting the insanity fitness videos on, right? That's that's what we're doing that's all right. month. We're folks. doing we're doing P90X the podcast. Yes. Right. Uh <laughs> yeah, we're do this is if if the first season of college football that we did the podcast for was our version of the college dropout, this is our version of the um the the what's the 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 new Late workout? registration? No, this is the new workout tape. This is we're coming oh, up on okay, the end okay, of it, okay. right? This is our this is our the new workout tape plan. It's, Are we still in our first season or, or Yeah, we're yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> analogy (laughs) fine first season was our fucking mixtape that nobody knows about this is called we're on to college dropout folks and we're okay okay we're doing the new workout plan have you watched uh have you watched the documentary netflix i've watched i watched most of the first episode um i need to i need to watch more of it but it was it was not it's it's, i think it's really good i'm I'm pretty into it yeah it was not for a lack of interest it was just that i was i was tired and i haven't gotten back around to it but um anyway that's what we're doing we're and i think that that fully fully explains the podcast is that we are guys who liked gym class and like kanye that's it (laughs) that's what else need to know (laughs) 
what else do you need to know honestly yeah i think i think we'll, by the way pat when i'm home in columbus for the summer uh we're gonna which, oh by the way i'm moving back for to tell you that mm-hmm. uh for a little bit at least yeah. anyway another another time off the, off the air but, uh, <laughs> uh i'm gonna i'm gonna test your <laughs> your athletic number production okay and uh and uh, we're going to get you on a Tendo unit. We're going to measure your meters per second. Okay. Uh, we're going to test your one rep max. I'm going to train you over the off season and just yeah. prove that I'm I'm going to be able to get you stronger and faster without uh, without getting you any fatter. Okay. Yeah. I was going to actually I was going to have you do that anyway. So now this is this this works out perfectly. <laughs> we're going to show up into the 2022 season. We're going to have um it's it's we're we're both going to look like the most annoying player on a division two college basketball team right we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to just the the two different versions of guy who you do want you do not want to see on the other side of the floor it's i'm gonna like, look like tough borland same haircut too yeah yeah and and same exact <laughs> political beliefs <laughs> identical <laughs> no i think i think uh tough Portland is quote invited to the cookout oh uh, yeah I, I actually i remember that that might be that might be true all right we'll get you a little closer to maybe bryce and shaw territory how's that okay okay i can work on that yeah i'm a private school maryland guy whose dad works in this is i'm making this up i don't know what his dad does but i assume he's some kind of defense contractor for this in maryland some poli, poli, uh poli sci major that's all i'm saying poli sci major parody. it's troubling <laughs> Uh, that one's not actionable. Non actionable. He's a bully Simon. Anyway, but we, <laughs> we should get out of here because I have I have to go quote unquote celebrate International Women's Day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you have a whole <laughs> bottle of wine to drink by yourself. <laughs> oh man! All right, we got something planned. All right. <laughs> See you later, man. All right. Bye.